Hello, welcome to the Interruptions Podcast, where we talk to individuals who have dealt with trauma or just an interruption in their personal and professional lives and are willing to share their journey towards being resilient. Kathy and I are passionate about our faith, social justice, and the effects interruptions have on our lives. Every episode, we will talk about actionable advice that you can apply to reinvent yourself and have the courage and faith in the midst of your journey. Our podcast today is called, I Have What It Takes to Reimagine Me. I am the Reverend Odell Montgomery Cooper. And I am Kathy Patton. And we are your hosts for this evening's podcast. Uh, Odell, this evening we have Adrian Parkman, who is the Chief Operating Officer of the Workplace Incorporated. Hi, Adrian. Hi. Thank you for having me, uh, Odell and Kathy. Congratulations on your podcast. Let's start there. Uh, Kudos to you and for, you know, developing this as a, a forum to deal with really real and relevant issues around trauma, interruptions, and resiliency. So kudos to you. I am honored to be here and look forward to the discussion. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're excited. We're excited about this evening. We we talk and we were just saying, oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. So uh, we are very happy to have you. So Odell, let me just tell you that Adrian and I actually knew each other before we knew each other because we would be at events um, and we would be with the same people. And we, I actually got introduced to her by a common friend. And then, um, although you were not going to want to hear this part, I will just let you know that I was the president of Theta Epsilon Omega chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority when Adrian became a member. And even though I knew her and I knew about the things that she did in the community and what she did at work, I don't think I really, really got to understand uh, a, de- a deep understanding of what she did until I actually started working at the workplace. Uh, yes, I remember <laughs> that. I think I came to a banquet or something you all had at Fantasia or something in uh, winter or something, and Adrian, you were there in the pink and green. I wore my red and white, you know, nonetheless, but <laughs> congratulations. And we all look beautiful. <laughs> and, and that we did. But um, I met Adrian before you, Kathy. I, a couple of years ago, I resigned from corporate and started my full-time career in ministry, where I began working at Monterey Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And the church had a development corporation. And during that time, there was a job training program that was out in Bridgeport. And Adrian, it was called the Green Up Job Training Program. That's right. And they were looking for various vendors to partner with them. And I knew when I went to the introduction, they were looking for a faith-based, a church to join them. So Monary joined. And um, it was my first time meeting Adrian, even working with the workplace. But I heard that there was a black woman who was a director. You was you were director at the time. I yeah, heard there was a black woman who was a director at the workplace. 
And when I went, it was very professional. You did, you talked about the program and expectations. And you had mentioned that every vendor would be giving a certain number of clients to begin with. And it was like, okay, so we're learning all about the program. We go back to the office and I had instructions, you know, because she's a black woman, go back and try to get some more <laughs> clients because we can handle it. Now, I was confident in my skill set and in Bo, but Adrian in the workplace didn't know us. And the Development Corporation was not known for this space in terms of working with job training. They, they were just, you know, breaking out with this. So I had my marching orders. And Adrian, I've never told you this, but when I remember sitting in the conference room um, with you and Olga, and mm -hmm. I was asked, I was my, my orders were to try to get some more clients from you. Right. You didn't belittle me. You didn't know me. You didn't discourage me. What you said was be successful at what we're giving you, and then you can come back for more versus taking on too much and failing and you owe us money. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, I mean, we didn't know each other, but mm -hmm. your words were very encouraging, very respectful. Mm -hmm. um, even though we were confident in our skill set, we, you didn't know us. And I went back to the church and I, get, I told him what you said. And the only thing it did was to motivate us to show you who we were and to be committed in this partnership. And we did just that. And, you know, true to form, we exceeded our standards. We went back and you gave us more clients mm -hmm. and you awarded us for being one of your top vendors um, amongst the many others that were present. So the recognition was well respected. And even when the program was over, I'm, I'm, I'm touting myself here because Adrian, because Adrian recognized the talent. It wasn't because I was a black woman. She recognized the talent and the contribution. And she called me back and a few others and said, we want you to help place our folks in jobs. And that's when I came back. But Adrian, I say that to you because it's not uncommon for you being a woman of color and being in a position at the workplace and then in charge of funding where people of color women expect you to give them something mm -hmm. you know and i'm sure you come across that a lot being a woman of color okay i'm black you're black give me something give me a little <laughs> bit more you know tell me how to do this um and especially nowadays so so tell us how do you because you handled yourself professionally. And yes, I'm a black woman, but I'm running a business. I'm not going to belittle you. I'm going to encourage you, but it's about business. And given the culture and the times we have now, how do you balance that out? How do you handle that now? Because I'm sure even now it's even more demanding. Well, you're right, Odell. And I do remember that green up rich poor. That was, I think around 2000 and six, five, six, somewhere around that area. Um, and that was a very large grant. And it was one of the, one of our biggest ones that, that we had at that time. And, you know, when we got that grant and, and what I've done subsequent to that is to always look at how I can engage more entities in our region to deliver these services, especially those that are operated 
and run by people that look like the folks that we serve, right? Because that makes the most sense to me. Now, I am always going to be, you know, I, I, I do have a business, right? As you said, so I'm always committed to the mission and the goals of the organization and the outcome. And so in my mind, what I wanted to do then, and I continue to do now, because I do get a lot of those requests, right? Mm -hmm. Give me, you know, $300,000, um, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm black or I'm, you know, and that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, I want to get you there, right? So it's not a gotcha, I wanna get you there. But I know the requirements and the scrutiny in many instances that organizations and operations that are run by people that look like us will get. So I don't want to set anyone else for, up for failure. And I don't want to put my employer in any type of compromising position and having to, like you said, give back money. Uh, so, you know, I try to work with folks and say, listen, get your foot in the door. Look at how federal programs operate. Look at what the outcomes are. Look at what the measures are. Look at how you have to structure yourself. Because what I see a lot in our community is we have passion about what we do. We have passion about our organizations, about serving clients. It's that administrative piece that we don't do well in that space, right? The thousands of reporting, the document collection, the this, the that. Um, and so I say, start slow get your feet wet in that. And so once you do that, then you can expand beyond the workplace and, and start to really be a player in, in the space of workforce development. So um, I you know, look at it as trying to mentor and to try to grow businesses that are operated with people that look like Absolutely. And that is exactly what you did. And I never had a chance to say thank you. Um, You're quite because... welcome. You did an amazing job. You 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 were outstanding, and you know, and and I knew you would be, because I knew that that you know you never and you never I never felt that you came to demanding anything. You were very clear about what you were about and helping folks in the community. Like this is at the end of the day, this is what I want to do. So give me the opportunity. And, and I knew that. you were going to do that. And I knew it and, and it showed. And uh, Mount Airy did just a fabulous, fabulous job in Green Up Bridgeport. And, uh, and, you know, very proud of what you did. And, you know, you continue to do. So I'm glad I could be a part of that. I, I thank you. You helped us to um, navigate those reports that we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> they are a lot. They are a lot. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. I can, you know, I was called in. Uh, your financial report is not correct. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but again, you didn't make us feel inadequate. You supported us, you encouraged us, you coached us and guided me and said, nah, this number should be this, this number should be that. That's the norm. Um, mm -hmm. So again, thank you. So so Adrian, and, um, and all of that, people can Google you online and see you on LinkedIn, but tell us something about yourself that we don't know if we, that we can't find on Google or LinkedIn. Tell us something about Adrian. <laughs> well, what can't you find on Google or LinkedIn? Well, those are very objective things, right? Um, 
I think the thing that that you won't find is, but it may show up, is that I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, you know, I, I, I said to, uh, and, and I'll never forget, uh, Eric Clemens, uh, when I, when he first, uh, you know, started, you know, CONCAD, and we had a very long discussion when he was, you know, uh, going out on that venture from his previous uh, venture. And he said, um, you know, he's talking about, and we're talking about my background and this and that. And the one thing that he said, he goes, oh, so service is your ministry. Mm. And I had never even connected that. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, everything that you've mentioned that you do in the community and for your job is all in that same area of service. And yeah. I think the one thing that, you know, folks may not, you know, know about me is that I'm passionate about service, I'm passionate about helping individuals because I know, but for the grace, <laughs> I would not be where I am today. So it is in it is just something that drives me, you know. Even when I got out of law school and I got, you know, offered by a couple of firms, and um, I could have went that route, mm -hmm. and you know, something did not let me do that okay. because my life would be very different. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, folks that don't know uh, now, now you know that, uh, and those that know me know that I that I am about helping folks and and um, and just really passionate about my community. Okay, thank you. She's, she's also going to be the next Oprah. She forgot to tell you that. That's oh, right. yes. Because that's that? why I'm, actually, that's why I'm here, Odell. <laughs> okay. Because I heard this was on her Spotify. So I'm hoping that she, that she picked you up. Listen, you have what it takes. Oh, you guys are funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is our platform. We are reinventing ourselves. Right. Out. Every day. So Adrian, talk to us, our listeners who don't know about the workplace. Um, mm -hmm. I had to learn about the workplace when I came to Bridgeport. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in New Haven area, we have a, your sister organization. And, yeah. um, but the workplace does a lot more than what people know. So talk to us yeah. about everything that you all are doing. Cause I, I hear that you're, as I was on your website, you're in different states. Um, you've mm -hmm. branched out, you've um, created new arms that people don't know about. So please educate us. Well, you know, when I started with the workplace, I started on January 1st, 2001. It was my first day of actual uh, employment at the workplace. And when I started there, we had probably about 20, 25 employees at that time. And we have nearly 200 employees now. And I think the one thing that we have done over the years is we have always been in a position to pivot, right? Working, seeing what the needs are and being able to operate a nonprofit with a business mindset of growth, not for profit, but for the ability to be able to help others. So as a workforce development agency, we provide a variety of services to help young people, to the, you know, more seasoned folks who just want to continue to work because we have programs that serve individuals who are seniors and we have folks in our programs and there's 80s that are still um, looking to, to, to keep, you know, themselves healthy through, through work. So we are in six different states now. 
And we operate in, you know, Rhode Island and Massachusetts and New York and Virginia and Pennsylvania, um, as well as, of course, here in Connecticut. Uh, we have branched out to, um, we have created, in, in terms of branching out, we've created a for-profit division of our not-for-profit. And how this started was, you know, a lot of employers use uh, staffing agencies to uh, fill their talent pipeline. Yes. And so we had a lot of folks in our business that were working for us. They're saying, listen, I'm trying to place people in jobs, but a lot of these employers are using staffing agencies. So I said, well, why won't we, why can't we start our own? Why not? Um, we wanted to do it the right way, of course, and we didn't want to not you know, have a nonprofit staffing agency because you have for profits that say, hey, you you want to, you know, we want to be on a level playing field. So we created um, a, a for profit division with the sole shareholder being the not for profit. And the not for profit receives all the profit so that we can put it back into programming. Wow. That's so amazing. we. So, you know, that's, you know, I'm always thinking, I and, and I'm sure Kathy can, can tell you, I come up with a whole bunch of ideas. Um, <laughs> but we have expanded um, just in, across Connecticut. So we have, you know, and, and we're always responsive to the times. Okay. So back in 2008, when we were going through the big Great Recession, um, we had uh, a lot of folks facing foreclosure. Uh, and so instead of... Oh, huge, huge, yes. right? Yes. Connecticut's numbers were off the charts. I remember. And so we said, you know, well, what are we going to do about it? We can read about it and say, oh, you know, that's too bad. And, you know, a lot of people would automatically think, well, what does workforce development have to do with a mortgage crisis? Well, people are in a crisis because they can't pay their mortgage, probably because they don't have a job mm -hmm. or they're not being paid enough. Yes. So we created a program went to the state legislator, legislators and said, hey, you know what? We can make a case for if we can upskill folks, they can get better jobs and they can actually be in a position to pay their mortgage. Mm -hmm. I remember that. We sent yep. people your way during that time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was like in the church, go here, go there, talk to people. You've helped save many of people who are disciples at Monterey, their mortgages, their houses, they either mm -hmm. sold their houses or the banks couldn't foreclose on their house. Right. Um, it was, they were upstairs that I remember. <laughs> mm -hmm, <yeah. laughs> and that's all. <laughs> that program um, was very valuable because people's mm -hmm. um, mortgages, they, um, oh my goodness, it was crazy what actually happened yeah things we're doing and you all made a, a huge difference and yeah. we sent people your way and you've helped out a lot yeah so we, so we're very proud of, of continuing you know to do those type of things even with the pandemic we also sat back and said well wait a minute what are we doing mm -hmm. are so, we go ahead I'm no, sorry. No, no, you, that, no no you're, you're right on line with that with the pandemic you know yeah. how, what are you doing? How do you stay true to your mission in six different states? <laughs> and a lot of work. Travel. Right. Oh, exactly. A lot of work, a lot of calls, a lot of, you know, keeping in touch with folks. But I think, you know, it's so important that our business is so important right now mm -hmm. uh, because we have so many thousands of people that are out of work right now. 
And we know that those numbers are just going to continue to grow because once these extensions and unemployment end at the end of the year, there's going to be this cliff where folks are going to just fall off. And so we have to prepare folks and make sure they are ready, A, and B, not, and you talk about interruptions, and we want to interrupt that cycle of unemployment so you're not long-term unemployed. Because the longer, it's easier to get a job when you have a job than when you're unemployed. Mm -hmm. So we want to try to help individuals. So what we did was, you know, in, in terms of our virtual life, um, you know, we have not had any virtual programming. And now all of a sudden it's become like 100% of what we do, right? <laughs> Overnight. So March 13th, 2020, we'll live in our minds forever. <laughs> when we just had to shut down and like, okay, figure it out. And, um, you know, I just had to bring folks together and say, okay, we got to figure this out. And my first thing, and I tell my board this, is that, you know, I had kind of three pillars and goals in mind. One, I had to make sure my staff was okay. That's the first thing, right? That was priority and that they were engaged because everyone's going to respond differently. Yes. And so the second thing was make sure we had the customer engaged. And, and I can't do that if my staff isn't engaged, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, we, so we had to focus on how we're going to do that. And three, how are we going to continue to be innovative and effective and transformational in a virtual environment? So um, we've done all kinds of things. Uh, and, you know, especially with the staff engagement and, you know, Kathy leads our Wellness Wednesday. So we bring everybody together. Every morning we have programming for our staff. Good. And, you know, it can be basic, you know, training you how to, you know, do presentations to fun things. Uh, we have documentary Mondays and feel good Fridays where we have an employee of the week. And, um, you know, we listen to videos and motivational things and spiritual things so that we, I can make sure everyone is being taken care of. Mm -hmm. And we get you know, 125 to 150 people online every morning at 9 a.m. Oh, and so absolutely across the 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 enterprise. And you know, and I tell everybody, you know, you know, keeping staff engaged has been a priority for me. And it's and it's not as hard as folks would like to think. Mm. Because you know, I am a true believer that, you know, people just need to be acknowledged. People need to be listened to. People need to be heard. Yes. And, you know, and so if you do that on a consistent basis, because that's what I see leadership as. If you do that on a consistent basis, people will show up. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the things that we've done for staff and even for customers. Um, you know, in this pandemic, people, like you said, their lives are interrupted. Yes. Our lives are always interrupted. So we had to come up with something to deal with the mind and the spirit before we can start saying, okay, this is how you do a resume. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're not ready to hear that message, you're people never going to get it. Right? Absolutely. And I think that happens. We find that in programs too, that mm -hmm. if, if home is not settled, how can your mind be in the classroom? Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that was one of the things I did in our, in our, we run the American job centers in Southwestern Connecticut. And, you know, during the great recession is when this came up and you had so many people at that time, middle management was wiped out. So you saw a lot of folks with education that had never been unemployed, unemployed. Right. 
It wasn't what your typical unemployed looked like. Mm -mm. So these individuals that were used to donating stuff were coming in asking for those resources. Yeah. And so one of the things that I realized very quickly is that, you know, folks were food insecure, just like they are now. Mm-hmm. And how do you focus on a job search and getting a job? Well, you know, that's exactly what you need right. if I'm hungry. That's right. If Absolutely. I don't know where I'm going to lay my head. Those basic securities are so important because, like you said, we're not expecting it. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a prime example. I'm a professional. I'm working as a director and my life yep. is interrupted and have a brain aneurysm. I get sick and I've got to figure out how, how am I going to live? Right. And for you talk about ministry, I, my faith is there, but I personally was home in my house hungry because I was too embarrassed to go to a food center because I used to be the ones that send people to a food center. Now I'm on the receiving end versus the referral end. And it took me a very long time to shed that ego and that pride to Mm -hmm. say, I'm hungry and I need to eat. And being able to say, I've got to go out there and I've got to stand in line. And not just you, but your family. That's right. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I said, well, why can't we have in our job centers some food? Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. So we I went and we got some dollars from a foundation and, you know, established our, our resource center where we have, you know, but we don't advertise it. But when you're working with folks and you 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 see what they're going on. We can go give you a bag of food. Mm-hmm. We can go give you some diapers or some, you know, formula for for your child, um, because those things are going to help you on your job search. Because, mm-hmm. it, like you said, how do you do? How do you do life when you're hungry? Can't. You know, when you don't know where you're going to stay tonight. No. Uh, so, yeah. you know, just all of those things become so important. So, you know, when we talk about the workforce development system. You know, when I started in this business over 30 years ago, I know y'all, I look kind of young, but you do, uh, you do, you do. Uh-huh. I would never have thought that. I know. Right? <laughs> you know, it was a very different time mm-hmm. and, you know, we would just have to train people. We train them, they go to work. There was a period of time, you know, probably about 15 years ago where we had to start to educate people, then train them. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, um, put them to put, you know, return people to work. Now we have to provide the social services and the the education, the the adult ed, the you know, remediation and train, and then get folks to work. So our scope has changed and broadened so much over yeah, the years true. that I've seen. And there's so many demands on the workforce system. And that's why we've had to be very, very aggressive about going after grants to fill those gaps. Because believe it or not, the federal funds that we received for our core funding to fund the job centers back in 2001, when I started, was about $5 million. It is 2020 and it's still $5 million. Yeah. Wow. Wow. 
right? A huge stale. It's a stale. It's, it's absolutely. So the federal funds that are just our what we call our formula funds have main have been the same. The needs have grown. The number of people that need the service have grown. Yes. So if we as an organization stood still and didn't pivot and didn't do what we need to do to expand the programming, then you know what we would be able to serve a fraction of the number of people we serve on a yearly basis. And so it's become vitally important for us to continue to, you know, look for ways to be um, impactful and mm -hmm. to make sure that we are delivering those services to the community. Okay. So Adrian, you taught, you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said had to pivot. I remember, and, and I don't remember the exact date, but I remember mm -hmm. in March where yeah. um, for the first time ever, that stay home yeah. from every business. It was coming from everywhere, everywhere. It was yeah. coming from schools. It was coming from stores. It was coming just, you couldn't turn on the radio. You couldn't change channels. Mm -hmm. It was coming from stay home. And then yeah. at one point you had to, you, how, how did you do that? Because at one point you had to say, okay, I get, we have to pivot, but I have a business that I have to continue to run. So what, how did, how did you make that pivot? Like, what did you say to yourself? Cause I know when you said to stay home and we're going to start working from home and we're going to start doing things virtual. And, and, and I, and I know I shared this with Odell before that I, you know, literally I went down to the kitchen and I was like going like this in circles, like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. Right. I don't know. what. Okay. I'm supposed to be working, but I don't, I don't know. I, but I have a, I have a, now I have to be home with, with my husband and my daughter and I got to get her yeah. settled. And I can't, again, like you said, if this piece is not taken care of, I can't take care of, of, right. of this piece. Right. That's and so right. I had to get my daughter settled and, and trying to figure out, okay, at some point I have to do some work, but even getting my mindset there to say, okay, but what work and how do I work? Because right. I had never, ever, ever mm -hmm. worked from home. And so right. I think the first thing I did was went and made a cup of coffee. And then I said, okay, now, now I can. <laughs> 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 All right. But I had to sit and breathe and say, okay, I got to figure this out. But you, and that was just me trying to figure myself out in my house. How did you figure this out for an organization like that? You know, Kathy, it, it's, you know, uh, I don't know, because I did the same thing as you did on that first day. You know, you, you wake up and it's like, and, and I think back then we thought, okay, well, this is just going to be for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. You know, we can do this for a couple of weeks. And then it just got longer and longer and longer. And I mean, you know, for me, I, you know, I don't think about a lot of that stuff, right? I just do. And I think that's just the way that most of us are. Right. Um, I knew that we could not stop. I knew that we had to continue to provide services. And so I just like, you know, go into action and I just have to write things out. And I'm very tactical and, you know, very objective and, and you know, task driven. And so I just had to just, OK, this is the situation we're in what needs to be done. And so mm -hmm. I know I drove a lot of folks crazy in the organization um, because when I get into that mode and I'm like on a mission, like I know where I'm going. So y'all can either jump on or you're going to fall off one or the other. Um, I just really, really just, um, just honed in 
and mm-hmm. said, listen, you know, just like with life, you know, you yeah. know, when, when stuff happens, it's like, you know what, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I, I try to live my life very intentionally. Mm-hmm. And as we say, you know, there's interruptions, but interruptions challenge intention. And I don't ever want that to happen, right? We might can't go the direction that we thought we were going to go, but there's always a way to get there and I'm going to find it. And so I knew, like I said, my, what are my goals during this? Staff engagement, customer engagement, innovative program. And so what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, the biggest thing was, you know, keeping staff upbeat, engaged, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I think the good thing that happened, and I think Kathy can attest to this, because we have staff in so many different states, folks never saw each other because we never heard of using a Zoom or a Teams, right? <laughs> I laughed. No. And I said, poor free oh, conference call. Yeah. Totally crashed. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who uses the conference call now? Now when I get something for a conference call, I'm like, well, how do I, I got to put it up. I don't even know how to do it anymore. And so the benefit of, you know, this environment was staff got to see each other. They got to connect. They get to know each other better. And we're doing this thing now, peer presentations, where everybody is giving just a PowerPoint on, you know, and then a lot of it is, is twofold, right? Helping them to develop presentation skills. Mm-hmm helping them learn how to create a presentation, but in the context of talking about themselves. And that's giving us some insight into people that we would have never had the opportunity. Especially in another state. It's like, what are we doing? And and interruption happened, Adrian. I was... um, I know I was home recovering from my brain aneurysm and my doctor said, you've got to find a way to reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, some way got convinced to start a stage production. And this was not an area of my life that I was in, not, not an artistic person, but I, I knew people. So I was going to figure it out. Right. And in the midst of having a goal, having a mission, COVID happens mm-hmm. and then the stage disappears there isn't any stage, there isn't any funding because organizations like yours needed to sh- pivot and give that money to people who were hungry right. and needed to keep their lights on. So me trying to do a, a product, a stage production, Grantor said, nope, sorry, we're not funding that. Can't do that now, right? No, yeah. we're not funding anything dealing with gun violence. And hmm. there wasn't any data out that COVID-19 was another layer of trauma for the black and uh, black and brown community because it was too soon. Mm-hmm. And someone said, maybe you should think about doing it next year. Someone said, COVID has nothing to do with trauma. And, you know, God said, sit and wait, don't abandon your mission. Mm-hmm. And two, three months later, here comes the data, mental health issues. COVID-19, people are home, people are depressed, they've lost their jobs, they're living with their abusers, they can't feed their kids, and now their kids are home and they can't educate their kids. It became a, a, a snowball of mental health issues, and then on top of that, George Floyd happens. Um, and now it's, okay, yes, talk about gun violence. Um, yeah. So 
it's so different that we talk about this this part of our lives that we're in being ministering. You know, God has done more with my weaknesses than I have done with my strength. Mm. And it's like, okay, here we go. But you're, you're correct about pivoting and keeping people safe and mm-hmm. uh, respect that. But Adrian, tell us before Kathy jumps in with this next question that she has, um, you had to convince people to reimagine the vision, mm-hmm. reimagine themselves on this new journey. I mean, it was, it was different, right. you know, and they had to trust you to reimagine that, oh, the doors are not going to close. I'm still going to have a job, but I need to adjust my thinking, mm-hmm. um, my framework, and my presentation in order to keep moving. And you had to convince people to do that. And that's why this is called, that's why you're here today for how do I reimagine me? Mm-hmm. You know, how did you get your staff to reimagine themselves and how did you reimagine you? Good question. Um, well, in terms of, you know, getting staff to reimagine, again, I think just acknowledging what was happening, right? Because as a, a leader in the organization, you have to have the confidence of the people in the organization. They have to believe that you're credible, that you're being honest with them, and that you truly care and understand. And so, you know, we can't sit here and say, oh, it's, it's not impacting me, so it shouldn't impact you, or, you know, I'm not feeling what you're feeling, because you have to be real and authentic. And I think that authentic leadership is you know, a key to what has, you know, been helpful in everyone reimagining what they do and just the encouragement. And again, the acknowledgement that, hey, okay, today might be hard. Mm-hmm. You know what? But there's always tomorrow. Yes. So helping people not to have to worry about their job and knowing that it's going to be there and helping them to understand, okay, you have a job, there's other people that don't. And so you have a gift that you are going to have to use to help those others. And so I think that that has helped folks. Mm-hmm. And, and to see not only me, but, you know, Joe Carbone and everything on these calls. Um, we have 4 p.m. gratitude calls where folks can get on and just talk about what are you thankful for today? Right. Because you can find thankful, you can be thankful for something in any given day. Yes. Uh, just that you got up is thankful. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that if they can see that their leaders are human, um, I think has helped, you know, them to be able to, to pivot and to say, you know what, I can do this. I have a support at work, even if I may not have it at home. Um, and we've seen folks reach out and, you know, embrace their work family and, you know, celebrate each other. Uh, and, 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 and I'm so very proud of what has transpired. So if we have to look at a, a silver lining in all of this, I think, you know, at the workplace, we, we have found it mm-hmm. um, because I have never had staff as engaged as they are and truly, you know, really really focused on the mission and talking about it 
mm-hmm. and you know, and even focused on what's happening out in the world. Right. So, Adrian, four months into COVID nineteen, yeah. George Floyd happens. Yeah. Breonna Taylor. Black Lives Matter implodes. And while we're still dealing with COVID-19 and people are still home, in your agency, what did you do to address those matters? Because it's easy to close our eyes, right? And just leave, leave home home. But what did you do in your agency to address these topics and these issues? Well, the first thing about um, just a little bit about about the staff, you know, when I, when I started at the workplace, like I said, there were only about 20, 25 folks there. And one of the things that I knew that I was committed to was to make sure that as we expanded, that the folks that I bring into the organization represent the people that we are serving. So I am very committed to that. And so when this happens, I know that we have, well, I think around 56, 57% of our staff are, are people of color. And so I wanted to make sure that they were okay. And I also wanted those that were not, you know, people of color to understand at a very real level how this impacts others. And so I just remember having a conversation with someone uh, that is an ally. Uh, you know, and, you know, they're talking about this issue. And I said, I remember the first time that a racial slur was used against me. And they said, mm-hmm. there was a racial slur used against you. I said, yeah. I said, <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, I was shocked that they were shocked. <laughs> Why wouldn't you think that? <laughs> But, you know, they think that, oh, well, how could it possibly be used? I said, when people see me when I walk through the door, they see a Black woman. That's all they see. And so Mm -hmm. that's, you know, we live with that. We're so used to that. But, you know, knowing that I had so many folks being impacted, I wanted to provide a forum for folks to really talk about it. Because if we don't talk about it and hit it head on, then we're doing ourselves a disturbance. Mm -hmm. And they had to know that it is affecting us and it's affecting those that are not people of color. Absolutely. And I wanted folks, and I'm very big in my organization, right? Especially of, you know, our our leaders to really check microaggression and implicit bias all day long. I'll say, nope, don't say that. Don't Mm -hmm. let me tell you why you shouldn't say that. Mm -hmm. And what I hear when you say that, which may not be what you might intend it, but let me tell you what I hear and what other people look like me do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we did our Black Lives Matter project. So, Odell, let me just share a little bit about the Black Lives Matter project. Now, understand my work background before coming to the workplace was in a state agency, right? And so very stringent rules, even if this happened, we don't talk about it in the workplace. We have, <laughs> even though your clients coming in the front door look like the issues that we're dealing with, we just deal with their their needs, right? And so, when Adrian came on, and it was actually it was actually at one of our end of the day work calls when a, a, a young lady who was Caucasian, she mentioned it and how upset she was at 
the issue of George Floyd. And so from there, it kind of just, I could see the like light bulb over Adrian's head because sometimes you get used to seeing that light bulb and then you're like, oh man, what's going to come out of that, right? And so, um, but I could see that she was thinking about something. And then what came to the staff was that she wanted this video created and invited everyone to take part in it. She didn't hide the fact of what was going on. She had honest conversation about it, allowed people to have honest conversation about it. And what resulted was this powerful, powerful video of her of her staff. And it was all makeups of her staff, men, women, white, black, talking about the Black Lives Matter. And I want you to take a moment just to look at this video. Black hands have created, but often don't share in the prosperity of this nation. Black ingenuity has created innovations that have changed a nation, but often don't get credit. Black creativity has created a culture that is often appropriated. Black lives are human lives, and that is why Black lives matter. I have sons. And I have grandsons. Their lives matter. Our lives matter. When the color of your skin is seen as a weapon, you will never be seen as unarmed. Black Lives Matter. This is my son and my brother, my daughter and her husband. I love them. Their life matters. My life matters, Black life matters, all our life matters. I understand that I will never understand. However, I stand and together we will overcome. The color of my skin is not a crime. Black lives do matter. Black lives matter. Our nation has a long way to go to get to where it needs to be. What you do and say makes a difference. Do something, say something. Black lives matter. Do they matter to you? Yes, black lives matter, but matter is the minimum. Black lives are worthy, black lives are beloved, and black lives need to be respected. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Racism is a pandemic. Black Lives Matter. Treat everyone the way you would want to be treated. Be the change you want to see. Black Lives Matter. 
and I'm committed to listening and using my voice and my actions to end police brutality and systemic racism. Black lives matter because it don't it don't matter which school you go because we love each other and we love our skin what God gives us. It's a privilege to learn about racism rather than experiencing it your whole life. Be an ally. Black lives matter because he does. And because he does, they do. Let's not only see the change, but be the change. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. I will not stay quiet so you can stay comfortable. Help us end police brutality. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. In standing up for something like this that you believe in, you uh, change, you change everyone, you change the world. I am color blessed. Rhode Island cares because black lives do matter. Let's unite as one community to confront enduring forms of racial discrimination. Together, we can. Black lives matter. Racism and slavery should have ended in the 1800s. So why is there still no justice? I don't know what's going on in the world today, and I may not have the answers, but I know I can be part of the solution. And systemic racism. Today we are looking for healing in our land. We're looking for justice for the disenfranchised and oppressed. We have to overcome our barriers and prejudices because there's really only one race and it's a human race. Black Lives Matter. Black lives matter. Black mothers matter. Stop taking from our sons and daughters what you did not give them, their life. What we need now, most of all, is togetherness. My intention every day is to listen, to understand, and to learn with and from others. Peace on Earth! Racism hurts everyone and hates. Hate does not belong in this country and hate does not belong in our future. My commitment to the Black Lives Movement is to vote, to fill up my senses, to support black businesses and to be colorblind and allow for space to have positive, safe, and proactive conversations around race. It is a privilege to learn about racism rather than experience it your whole life. I've got a lot to learn.
No black mother should have to begin conversations with her five-year-old son as to why he is not welcome in certain neighborhoods. And if he goes in those neighborhoods, what could happen to him? I need my son to live so he can be a father someday. I strongly support racial equity, social justice, and equality in everyday life. I am listening, and I will be part of the solution. My life matters. Black lives matter. We are the workplace. Nearly 200 employees in eight states. And we're proud of our work in job training and job placement. But there's a culture to the workplace. We're an active corporate citizen. We believe in justice and opportunity for all. We believe it affects our work every single day. And we're willing to fight for it. Yes, indeed, black lives matter. And I've never been prouder of my workforce than I am today. That was a, a powerful message. Um, kudos to you, Adrian, for doing that within your organization. You know that it's so much within our culture not to talk about it and to keep quiet and just to deal with it. And it must have taken a lot of, of you to get your staff to engage in that. So much respect for you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, staff, who are really receptive to it. I, I and I was just so proud of of what we what we put together. And it was just listen, and, and it was, instructions were simple. Just what are you feeling right now? Yes. Yes. That's it. And and, and it was just that simple. And I think that, you know, people weren't scripted. Mm -hmm. People didn't have to. Um, but people stepped up and um, I think it was just a really pivotal moment for our organization to really make that statement. It's, it's, um, I'm gonna have to watch it again and put it mm -hmm. on my page. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that they'll be able to watch it here. Mm -hmm. um, so a question I have for you, Adrian, is so often like now being people of color, all three of us actually, yep. We're asked more and more uh, to be an advocate for, what do you think of the George Floyd case? What do you think of Breonna case? Yeah. And, you, and you being a lawyer and being <laughs> at work, being in the workplace, how many times are you asked your opinion about the Breonna case and the Black Lives Matter and George Floyd being held as a martyr and he was right. a drug dealer and he was this, he was that? I mean, how often, are you asked that question and how do you handle that in the workplace? I'm sure it's more exhausting for you than it is for us because you're a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do get that. You're absolutely right. Odell, you know, folks want to, to know, well, what about this? And, you know, like you said, you know, he, he was, he, he, he you know, he committed a crime. So, you know, all of that. And, you know, there's a legal aspect to, to all of that, but there's a human aspect as well. Yes. So, you know, there should humanity and, and, and the legality should be able to live in the same place. So, um, you know, folks should not lose their lives 
over, you know, petty crimes. I mean, that's just absurd. Um, And so, you know, I tell folks, I say, listen, you know, the legal is the legal, but let's talk about what really took place because what took place had had no comparison to anything that anyone may have allegedly done. And you take the case of Breonna Taylor where she didn't do anything. Nothing. She was just yeah. living, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so there's just absolutely no justification for people who can't, in law enforcement, who cannot just be human and and you know cherish humanity and people and respect people. So there's a there's there's you know those are just to me um, you know very different conversations and they and and they both can live uh, you know in the same world, and that's what we just have to keep fighting to get to. And I think that, you know, collectively, we have to just continue to really, really speak out and speak up and show out and show up. Yes, and and that that we do. And it seems like I've had to actually stop watching, you know, Facebook, turn it off, turn the TV off, because it was one another incident after the other yes you know uh what number 45 was doing what he said what he didn't say i said it the misinterpretations you know all of this is going on and on and you know kathy and i have these kind of laid back lives now she's in atlanta being grandma you know so our lives have to, we, we've had to reimagine ourselves in the second phase of our life but you're still running an organization you're, as Kathy said, you're running the foundation for the links. Um, and these are programs that- She's, actually, uh, she's, the, she's the president of the links chapter in Waterbury, and she is running the foundation for the Theta Epsilon Omega chapter in New Haven for Alpha Kappa Alpha. So yes. Okay, she's thank, busy. You. She's busy. thank you. She's busy. Let's just thank say you. she's busy. Thank you, for the, thank you for the correction with the alphabets. Why <laughs> but I knew it was with the links and the AKAs and the foundations and all of us, you know, in the Divine Nine and our these programs are drenched in tradition mm. and protocol and process and procedures. And if we don't have this program, then how do we get a child to school? If we don't have this banquet, how do we raise funds to support this program? And all that disappeared. And you talk about pivoting, you've got to pivot to get women drenched in tradition and protocol to reimagine, okay, and people at work, you got a job, be thankful, need to reimagine yourself because there are people who don't. But Adrian, what do you do for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you do for you? What do I do for me? Um, what are you going to keep you saying? <laughs> she gets those rare seconds, right? <laughs> a, a few seconds here or there. Um, you know, I love what I do. I get so much energy and life from not only what I do at work, and but the organizations that I am in, involved in. I love, love, love being around my sorority sisters, my link sisters, my girlfriend. I, I, it gives me life. And so, you know, that's what I do for me. Um, and, I, and I guess it goes back to where I started with Eric saying that, you know, 
service is my ministry. And it, it, and so I, I don't feel tired from that. You know, I, I think if I didn't have that, I think that that's where I would hit a wall. Um, so I think that having that outlet to be able to figure out ways just to help folks, but also be a part of, an, you know, organizations where we all know that, you know, Black women organizations, they all started during some very tough times. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yes, right. absolutely. They started in some very tough times in this country. And what did they do? They succeeded. What did they do? They they challenged the, the, the infrastructures. They challenged the political environment. And they sustained over, you know, hundreds of years. And so um, I think, again, this is just another period of time where, you know, these us Black women, you know, we do what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we say, you know what, there's a challenge and we may be interrupted, but we will not be denied. We will not slow down. We will continue to help. We will continue to do and follow our mission and make sure that we are in service to all mankind. Great. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Someone so def- desperately need to hear that. <laughs> so Adrian, Odell and I, we try to expose that life interruptions can in fact cause trauma. Mm-hmm. We have seen the negative impact that it's had on families, individuals, the economy. Um, agencies such as the workplace and the organizations such as the Waterbury as links and, and the divine mm-hmm. nine, we know are, are part of something larger than themselves and continue to try and still fulfill their vision and their mission. Um, so, and reimagine themselves in doing so. And so we want to thank you for all that you do in the workplace, all that you do in the community. And we encourage the other organizations as well to continue to stay steadfast to their vision because we know reimagining ourselves is not an easy task, but that's something that's necessary in the communities in which we are serving. Yes, uh, thank you for being a part of this as Kathy and I were planning what to do and we were trying to figure out you know, what do we talk about? There's so much to get Adrian to share. <laughs> you know, it was look at all that she's doing and how do you get people who are listening to us to know that they can reimagine themselves. And Kathy and I are witnesses that this is what we are. You know, mm-hmm. I was working at CONCAT and left and had a brain aneurysm. My son mm-hmm. was murdered. And I'm trying to figure out what do I do? And in the midst of this, of trying to figure it out, I'm struggling with trying to reclaim the Odell that used to be Mm. to the Odell that I am. And Mm -hmm. I had to reimagine how do I continue to move forward? You know, I'm not going to sell my house and go rent a room and live with my cousin, you know, follow a pastor around. You Mm -hmm. know, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's not how I envisioned the rest, the second part of my life. But I had to, you know, dig deep, pray, have faith and wrestle with myself to figure out how do I do this? And it wasn't easy. I fell many a times and got back up and struggled, uh, dealt with pride, uh, Mm self-esteem, and it wasn't easy. But the great thing that I had was a network of support. 
and encouragement and it's your agency and you keep running, you know, stay, stay focused, stay visible because what we want people to know who are under your leadership with the links and AKA and at work is that you're modeling it. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to help us because we don't always know where sometimes we're afraid to ask for help. Right. We're, mm-hmm. we're embarrassed because as you mentioned earlier, we're middle-class professionals, you know, (laughs) we're we're educated. We have a master's degree. Now, all of that has changed and doesn't mean anything. That's right. So please continue to share and to listen and to support the people that you work with because, you know, it's this journey of reinventing yourself is not easy. But mm-hmm. it can be done. <laughs> oh, it absolutely can be. It absolutely can be. And and, and congratulations to you. Um, you know, for for your journey and for you know reinventing yourself and being who you are and who you always were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't. We can never. You know, challenge what we go through, and we just have to. You know, be steadfast and understanding. We're going through it for a reason. Yeah. And your reason is to share your message, to share your joys, to share your pains, because you are through this this medium, you know, touching so many people. Yeah. And that was that was what you it was all about from the beginning. Sometimes, you know, we fight against it. Trying to give us the lesson, but we're going to keep trying to say, no. Yeah. We like That's the little kid like this, Greg, going, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. <laughs> but we thank you for being thank on board you. and thank you for coming to our virtual platform and sharing thank with you for us. Having me. So we will have you back again. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. I and, appreciate right. you both. And then for our listeners, don't forget to click the like button on our show. If you are listening through podcasts, please download this uh this show and share it with someone because someone you need, you know, needs to hear this message.